Okay, so I am waiting for the train and I think I have six minutes before the next train comes. So let's think of just one verse in the Bible. I'm going to look at Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 1, uh, which I think, if I can recall, says this, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints, the saints who are in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Uh, again, please check this up for you. So I'm not sure whether I got that entirely correct. But let's think of the two phrases that Paul uses to introduce himself and to address the church in Ephesus. He calls himself an apostle. He calls them saints. Yeah, so uh, in a few minutes. So firstly, Paul calls himself an apostle. And you think of the word postal worker in a post office where you're trying to post your letter. Well, that's, that's the word apostle. It's the word sent. And Jesus has sent his message, the gospel to this church, but through these apostles, he sends people to preach the gospel. And so Paul is just introducing his credentials, you know, his CV and saying, it's not me, but it is God who has sent me to speak to you the gospel. So that's the source of his authority. It's the God who has sent him to speak this word of truth. So that's firstly Paul. He's the one who is sent by God. But secondly, he addresses this church as, uh, and this is interesting, saints. He calls them saints. And this is really something that you think of in terms of those statues in churches. You know, they are saints. saints. You think of Mother Teresa, she's a saint because she did a lot of amazing things. Very, very loud. Very loud. Okay, all right. But saints is referring to all Christians. You know, all of us are saints because all of us have been made holy through the Lord Jesus Christ. That means God has taken us out of the world. God has separated us from the world. That's what holiness means. And God has not made us for Himself. So now, when we look at each other in church, call each other Saint Kelvin or Saint Atom, because that's who you are if you are in Christ Jesus. How many minutes do we have? Three more minutes? Well, that just reminds us in three minutes that God sees us as holy and God sets us out to speak the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, I'll stop there. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. This is the Daily Bible verse by verse show. Good morning, everyone. It is, what time is it? 7 a.m. And it isn't saying how long the train is going to be, but I'm going to try to just do one verse from Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 2. This is uh, Paul saying grace to you and peace uh, from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It's, it's reading. It's his way of saying, Annyeonghaseyo, or if you're Hokkien, Japa boy, it's Paul saying, hey, how are you guys doing? But he wishes them this greeting called grace and peace and it's talking about two elements of blessings that come from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace is almost synonymous with salvation. You know, we are saved by grace, not by works. And peace is also synonymous with that reconciliation. You know, Jesus Christ is our peace, is brought together, the one who is far near towards Him. And what's interesting is, towards the end of the letter, Paul wishes this same blessing towards 
his readers. You know, verse 23 of chapter 6 talks about grace be with you. Sorry, peace be with you. And verse 24, oh, here comes the train. Verse 24 says, uh, uh, grace be with all. And so here is a blessing that then abides with the people he writes to. And so it begins with something that comes from God, goes to his people, but then towards the end he wishes that same blessing to remain with God's people, to remain with his hearers. And that's a wonderful thing, to be able to wish someone something like good morning or God bless you, but then to have that remain with them because they have you know, heard the gospel, they have the Lord Jesus Christ. My train is here. Today, we're thinking about the Puakaliao verse. The Puakaliao verse. That's uh, where the Bible says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has Puakaliao, who has blessed us with every blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ. You know, it's like God saying, Nah, give you all the blessing. Or like Elon Musk going, Nah, give you all the Teslas. Now go and watch Netflix in your car. Just not when driving. Lah. But then when you hear that word like Puakaleo, every blessing in the heavenly places, you think, hey, how come uh, that guy, his Tesla got uh, extra thing, uh, my one don't have one? Or how come that person uh, got that blessing, that boyfriend, that girlfriend, I don't have one? You know, you start comparing, you start thinking, actually, do I really have every blessing that God wants me to have? And actually, that verse doesn't just say every blessing, but it says every blessing, in Christ. Ah, that means if you have Christ, you have every blessing. But if you don't have Christ, even the blessing that you already have is not. It's not every blessing. It's not Puakaleo, everything that God wants you to have. So the Puakaleo verse says that God has given us everything because He has given us the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to God. Actually, Puakaleo, is it? Okay, no, no, bad word. <laughs> okay, I think we have less than two minutes, but let's look at Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4. This is where it says that God chose us. He chose us before the foundation of the world, before He made the world, before there was a universe, before we even existed. God chose us to be holy and blameless in Him, meaning uh, in Christ. So there's that purpose. There's that kind of intention that God has in choosing us in Christ. It says there to be holy and blameless in Him. Now what's significant about this is that that word holy, we've seen that before. I think it's almost here. I've seen it before in verse 1. You know, he addresses, Paul addresses the Ephesians as holy, as saints. And what he's saying that is that when God chooses us to be holy, He makes us holy. And the holiness is not something that we do, not trying harder, not trying to be better, but God has chosen us to be holy in Christ, and therefore He makes us holy. He makes us blameless. He makes us pure in Christ. Okay, right. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. So the word for today is predestination. Predestination is a really big word in the Bible that gets people confused, sometimes they argue about it, uh, but essentially talks about setting the destination in advance, which is something that a lot of us do. Like today I'm going to Lot 10, so I've decided to go there, and so I'm taking a train. I pre-decided to go there, so I'm going to go there by the LRT, 
but essentially in the Bible when it talks about predestination, it talks about something that God has done to predecide whether we would be included in Christ. And this is Ephesians chapter 1 verse 5, which says that He predestined us for adoption as sons and daughters in Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will. And does that mean, you know, that God has all to say? No, it's not something that I can decide either for or against. Well, that's something to chew about and to think about, but it does reassure us that before we even decided to follow Christ, you know, God had already decided to send Jesus to die for us on the cross so that we could be included as his sons and daughters in Christ. And it's something to praise God for, but it is something to think about when it comes to our salvation and our decision to follow Christ. That's my dream. Uh, I'm thinking of Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 6. Uh, to the praise of His glorious grace, uh, which He has blessed us in the Beloved. And He talks about praising God for something we don't deserve. You know, grace is something that's given freely to someone who does not deserve it, i.e. us, i.e. sinners. But He's given it to someone who does, to Jesus, who's described as the one whom He loves. So there's kind of, uh, what we're here, kind of exchange that happens. Jesus, who deserves all God's love, all God's blessing, but somehow it comes to us, and it comes to us by grace. And the response to that is to praise God. Hopefully that's what we're doing today, um, on Sunday, on the way to church. Uh, so far in Ephesians, uh, we've been looking at very positive things of God blesses us uh, with His grace and it's all from heaven. So very, very encouraging. Uh, but here in Ephesians 1 verse 7, things take a very dark turn. It, it, it talks about a kind of payment that is in blood. And it says, in Him, meaning in Jesus, we have redemption through His blood. Imagine paying for something that is it's so costly, so expensive that you have to pay for it with your life. Some of us, our jobs feel like that if you are giving our whole lives. But for Jesus, it kind of literally was that because we died on the cross. The verse goes on to say that in Him we have forgiveness of sins and uh, according to the riches of His grace. It means that that's the measure of God's uh, like bank account. God is so gracious, He's so rich, but we measure it as well in terms of the blood and the death and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1 verse 8, very short verse, talks about how God lavished upon us with wisdom and insight. And this is talking about the previous verse where God's grace is a measure of His wealth and His bank account. He just opens us up and He lavishes on us, like splurges everything on us. Now, I was reading an article about how people are spending very unwisely buying stuff that they can't afford, especially during times of Christmas. You just 
buy and buy and buy because you want it, but actually you don't have enough. But here is a kind of splurge, a kind of spending. It's actually wise and full of insight. Saying that actually when it comes to the gospel, when it comes to splurging in a way that reflects God's grace, the wisest thing you can do is to kind of like go all out, pour out everything because it shows that that grace, that mercy, it is inexhaustible and reflects the wisdom of God in showing us and giving us grace in this way. Hello, and welcome to the Daily Bible, Jules and Tricks and Stories and Full of Beauty, and Hearts and Today, we're looking at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 9. It talks about knowing God's will. How do you know God's will for your life? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 9 says, Making known to us the mystery of His will, according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ. How do you know? What God wants you to do, whether to pull out your teeth or not to pull out your teeth, mm, it's a mystery. But God refuses to work in Christ. And that's not just saying that you need to know Christ in order to go in God's will. They say that God's will ultimately is fulfilled in Christ. It's fulfilled for Christ. It's doing God's will, whatever it is, ultimately glorify Jesus Christ. Okay, very painful. Yeah, I'll talk. Please pray for me. First to do the Christmas drama to this time. Yeah, I don't know how. I'm thinking of Ephesians chapter 1 verse 10, which talks about God's reconciliation in Christ at a very cosmic scale. It says, at the fullness of time, what God's going to do is He's going to reconcile things in heaven and on earth in Christ. That really opens my eyes to see just the scale of what reconciliation really looks like because we are brought back into relationship with God through Jesus' death, but so is the entire universe. And that just really helps me to appreciate what God's plan really is for me, but also for this whole creation of His to be brought back into a loving relationship with Him. I am reflecting on Ephesians uh, chapter 1 verse 11. It's very, very Chonghei. Paul says, In him we've received an inheritance. And this is his inheritance as a Jew. And he says, Having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. God is always in charge working through all events. And he sees this as a Jew in the Old Testament. God working through all things to give them this blessing, this inheritance that He promised them and that He has fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. So what He sees in the Old Testament again is God's faithfulness, God's control, God's wisdom, but also God's fulfillment in the Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians uh, 1 verse 12 talks about the privilege of being the first and it says that we who are the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His Lord. And you know what, you think of someone who grew up in church, who had exposure to the Bible, went to Sunday school, well the whole point of that kind of privilege and exposure is that you might put your hope in Christ and anyone who sees that 
should not just see, you know, what a great upbringing, but should praise God for that opportunity to be able to know Him and perhaps even to respond to Him first before I open it. I am thinking of Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13, which says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, uh, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Who's there? Outside. <laughs> I was talking about how uh, you became a Christian, you know, how you were saved, and it's uh, by believing and trusting in the word of truth, also known as the gospel of your salvation. Simply by hearing this message and trusting that it's true, you're in. You're a Christian. God sends his spirit to confirm that salvation inside of you. And that's amazing. There's nothing else that you need to do. It's everything that God has done and that God tells us he's done through the gospel. Just trust in it. Just believe in it. And you're in. Uh, today's verse is Ephesians 1.14, talking about the Holy Spirit, and describes Him as the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, and it's its a future promise to the praise of His glory. And highlight the key word there is the word uh, our. It's something that's shared between two different generations that I mentioned so far in Ephesians. You know, the one who are first to hope in Christ and the one who trusts in the gospel, talking about the Jews and the Gentiles, and talking about how the Holy Spirit is given to both of them. And it's meant to be a shared experience. It's meant to be a uniting experience to realize that God has brought both together in Christ and both together in Christ's body. of reputation, someone who's well-known, it's often because they've done something amazing or they have this huge influence on other people. And Ephesians 1.15, Paul has heard of the Ephesians' faith in the Lord Jesus and their love for all the saints. What's interesting about that is that it's not about them, but it's about God and it's about other people. They put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and I think as a result of that, they love people the way that Jesus loves them. And that's a kind of reputation, that's a kind of track record that uh, hopefully every Christian has. So usually, when you say thank you, and you're expressing some kind of appreciation for someone who's done something for you. you know, thank you so much, I really appreciate that. But Paul, a really interesting guy, he says in Ephesians, 16. I do not cease to give thanks to God for you in all my prayers. It's not so much thanking them, but thanking God for them. And you know, what God has done through you has really encouraged me. And this means that these guys might not have done anything for him, just by virtue of their faith in God, or even their love for other people, it has encouraged them so much that you thank God for them. And he tells them, you know, he says, you know, I'm praying for you, I'm thanking God for you. And I think that's so that he can encourage them as well. So it's not just, just expressing appreciation, expressing a kind of encouragement. It's not just prayer, 
but it is Thanksgiving for people who we admire and love. So Ephesians 1.17 describes God in a very interesting way. He is the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory. And Paul prays that Ephesians uh, might receive from God the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. And so it's helping them to understand who God is in and of Himself in relation to the Son, in relation to the Spirit. Essentially God in the Trinity. And this is a rich, rich knowledge of God you would expect um, to learn from going to Bible college. But actually, no, it's actually a knowledge of God that comes from revelation. God reveals himself in relationship to the Son and to the Spirit. And then he reveals it to us so that we might know him as he truly is. Very, very deep and cheap. So the glorious inheritance in the saints is a very fancy way of describing how God really, really does love you, the saints. It's his greatest treasure, it's his most valuable inheritance that he has in the church, in us as Christians. And Paul's prayer in Ephesians 1.18 is that we might notice that our hearts might be enlightened so that we might know the hope to which he's called us but also the glorious inheritance of the saints. That is, he wants us to know, deep in our hearts, that God really, really, really does love you in Christ. So when you think of guys working out in the gym, trying to build muscle, you know, this is something that God does when you raise Jesus from the dead. The Bible describes him exerting his strength. He raises Jesus to his right hand. And Paul prays in Ephesians 1.19 that we might see that it is God's power working in us. He talks about immeasurably great power toward those of us who believe according to the great strength that God exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead. So if you ask the question, where is Jesus now? Uh, you find the answer in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 20, which says that God has raised Jesus to his right hand in the heavenly places. That's where Jesus is right now. He's ruling in heaven at God's right hand. And John Calvin in his commentary says that it's very important to see Jesus right here, right now in the heavenly places because that's where we will be when God raises us from the dead. You see, God raises Jesus not just in resurrection, but also in ascension, seating him at his right hand. And in chapter two, that's what God will do with us. Uh, I was really amused yesterday when I listened to this uh, podcast. A friend was saying that politics turns good people bad, turns them into sports ministers. Uh, not sure about that. But, <laughs> but I think it speaks into our generation's mistrust 
of power, you know, someone has too much position, too much authority, it's going to change them for the worse. And uh, Ephesians 1.21 talks about Jesus' position that's far above, you know, every rule and authority and power and dominion in every name. And it says that there is a kind of authority, of power that is good, that is from God, that will rule and that will judge, and it's held by Jesus Christ. So in Ephesians 1.22, God put all things under Jesus' feet. And the idea is that Jesus has defeated all his enemies, and that's why they're under his feet. They're defeated. Get it? Defeated. <laughs> but it also then says that uh, God gave him as head over all things for the church. And that's a very interesting place because uh, Jesus is already willing over all things, but he's not head over all things for the church. Meaning, the place where you see Jesus ruling over all things, over the universe, is actually in the church where he is the head, the church is the body, and when you see all things being submitted under Jesus Christ as the true king, the true ruler, and as God. So how does Jesus go viral around the world? And Ephesians 1.23 tells us that it's not to TikTok, but it's actually to church planting. Because it says that the fullness of Him builds all in all. It's a kind of fullness. It's a kind of presence of Jesus that is real, that is embodied in the church, that fills the world with his presence, that fills the world with the gospel. Jesus goes viral through the church being planted again and again around the world.